Nine games in the books for the Giants. They're seven and two. And a big reason why is that in every single one of those nine games, the starting pitchers have allowed two earned runs or fewer which is the longest streak to begin a season in franchise history and just the second time it's been done since 1901. So we'll talk about the starting pitching, we'll talk about the sweep in Cleveland, and we'll get you ready for Giants versus Mets next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked on Giants, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thanks for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So yeah, as I said, the starting pitching, how about that? Two earned runs or fewer in each of the Giants' Nine games to begin the season. That is obviously a recipe for early success. And sure enough, the Giants off to the 7-2 and two start. They have a plus 23 run differential, which has an expected win-loss record of 7-2. and two. So it's not like they're absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. They've scored 43 runs. Uh, three other teams within the division have scored more runs, but the Giants have allowed only 20 runs on the season, which as I look through the rest of the league, that is pretty much by far the fewest runs that any team has allowed. I'm not even seeing uh, the Mets are in the 20s, but other than that, pretty much everybody else looks like the Cardinals and the Dodgers also in the 20s, but the Giants at 20 even through nine games. So really just over two runs per game allowed. So, of course, it is early and one blowout loss, and these numbers can be uh, turned upside down. So I would, you know, pump the brakes a little bit, throw a little bit of cold water. They're not going to allow two runs or fewer by the starters every single time. And I mean, okay. with that said, it's still exciting and it's as we expected. It would be one thing if they were doing this with a bunch of random guys and it just felt completely unsustainable. But With Logan Webb and Carlos Rodon, I think Giants fans who weren't familiar with Carlos Rodon now after two starts see what he's all about. I mean, overpowering potential, Cy Young potential. I mean, he's got that kind of stuff with the upper 90s fastball. To me, the curveball is kind of a new pitch. He used to be fastball slider changeup. He's not throwing the changeup so much, but it's uh, we are seeing the low 80s curveball but he was dominant again against Cleveland like he was in his opening day start or excuse me second start of you know opening day for him the second start of the year for the Giants and it was different it you know his pitch count was in a much better spot in his first start of the year he was up there towards 90 uh, in the fifth inning but in this start he was able to I think go seven innings something like that I don't have the box score pulled up but 
He was able to go deeper. The stuff wasn't quite like upper 90s all the time. He was kind of coasting 93 to 95, and then he had upper 90s in the tank when he wanted to go there. Anthony DiSclefani, once again, it wasn't the crispest, crispest? Is that really what I was trying to say there? It wasn't the most crisp start for him, just like his first start, but it was good enough, and the bullpen was good, and the offense did just enough. So that was a little bit, honestly, after the first couple games of this Cleveland series, and then looking at the fact that they were 6-2, and two, to me it felt a little bit fortunate that they were 6-2, and two because on offense they weren't exactly scoring a ton of runs, and they had won a bunch of low-scoring, tight games. But then I really felt like on Sunday they finally started to hit their stride offensively, and they had another great start. Uh, Alex Wood, who I thought threw the ball pretty well in his first start, also threw the ball pretty well yesterday in Cleveland. He did issue a couple of base runners, allow a couple of base runners in the sixth inning. So he got pulled after five plus with two on and nobody out. But then Zach Littell came in, got Jose Ramirez, great player, got him out and then got Franmil Reyes, I think, to hit into a double play. So he got through that. So the worst pitcher so far has been Anthony DiSclefani, but he's generally kept the team in the game both times he's gone out there. And obviously hasn't given up more than two runs in either of his starts. And now it flips over on Monday night to Alex Cobb, who was really kind of under the radar, sneaky awesome in his Giants debut. It kind of got lost with so much else going on in that game. It was the City Connect 11 or 13 to 2 blowout win, something like that. And, you know, Alyssa Nacken coaching first, the Antoine Richardson, Mike Schilt incident, the unwritten rules thing, and then the offense kind of had the headlines as well. But Alex Cobb, he had 10 strikeouts in five innings, and he's your number five starter. And he goes again uh, tonight against the Mets, weather permitting. And then it flips over again to Logan Webb and Carlos Rodon, and you're back to the front. And so some people have said this, and I agree that you, Anthony DiSclefani, if you had to reset your order, might be your number five right now, and it would be more like Webb, Rodon, Cobb, Wood, DiSclefani, but that is just such a good rotation, potentially, if they can stay on the field, and we've seen that so far with this two runs or less in nine straight starts. Like I said, the longest stretch of two runs or fewer to begin a season in Giants history, just the second time it's been done since 1901. So part of it is that starters aren't going as deep and that giant starters have often been pulled in the fifth inning or after five innings. So, I mean, I think they've all completed five. I'm not entirely sure the innings totals. I don't have all the different box scores pulled up, but suffice it to say they've been really, really good and a big reason why they're seven and two, but also the offense. I mean, it did seem to me like they were kind of on the verge of breaking out a little bit because if you look at some of the expected numbers uh, based on quality of contact and also factoring in things like strikeout rate and walk rate, Giants were actually up there among the very best in the game, but their actual results were kind of mediocre middle of the pack. So coming up next, I want to look into specifically the offense, who's doing well, who's kind of underperforming their expected numbers, what are the overall uh, actual numbers, and Uh, expected numbers after yesterday's kind of breakthrough game. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports development, 
developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting, wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. A lot of Giants action there. One of the things last year we talked a lot about the over-under and how that was a big opportunity for a preseason bet. And this year I'm I'm still looking at these Cy Young odds with Carlos Rodon and Logan Webb. I think that each of them, maybe even Rodon more so, given the overpowering potential, uh, it's just worth taking a look. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right. As promised, I want to get a little bit into the offensive side of things. We obviously know the pitching has been very good. The bullpen, less overpowering, but they've very much done their job. I didn't verify this myself, but I saw on Twitter somebody said that the run that they allowed yesterday, which was what, one run, was the first run they had allowed since last Monday. So, one run per week out of the bullpen, that is getting the job done. But again, I didn't verify that myself. I just saw somebody tweeted that out. But I do want to talk about the offense. Uh, thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Now podcast. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts. Taking fans through the season like no other network can. Free and available wherever you get podcasts. So yeah, some of you probably see on Twitter, I put out these little one-minute videos, not just summarizing the outcome of every game, but the key takeaway from every game. And so you can listen to the Lockdown Now podcast and really get a deep dive into each and every major league team from the perspective of each and every one of our local experts. So check that out. It's called Lockdown Now. Anyway, I want to get into the Giants offense a little bit. There are definitely positive signs I know I didn't even mention some of the numbers for the Giants pitching staff, but they're right there at the top. And when we preview the Mets, the Mets are like right there with them in terms of pitching. And so on paper, kind of a heavyweight pitching matchup between the Giants and the Mets right now. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But offensively, there are some players who have been doing well kind of consistently throughout the short young season. Uh, Brandon Belt, Joey Bart, who's a fascinating case, and we'll probably talk about him in a little bit of detail. Uh, Jock Peterson as well. And then guys like Tyro Estrada have been up and down, and yesterday was a very much up day for Estrada. He's had some great games, and he's had some games where he looks like uh, a little bit not overmatched, but the fa- he's, play- he's played every single inning at second base. And Sometimes against a right-handed pitcher, it kind of does seem like they would be better off with La Stella. I know a lot of people are super high on what uh, Estrada is doing, but he does have just a 265 on base percentage as a way of example. And league average is going to be around 315 right now. So a well below average on base percentage so far for Estrada, but hitting for power and he's hit some big home runs, including yesterday in Cleveland. But overall, if we look at the expected weighted on base average. I know it's like a lot of you probably don't know what weighted on base average is, but it's scaled to the league average on base percentage. And it, when it says weighted on base average, it's basically weighted on base percentage. So it's like you're on base percentage, but factoring in the value of the different offensive outcomes, like a double being more valuable than a single, a homer being more valuable than a double, 
etc. So it's weighing all the different offensive outcomes, and then it sets league average weighted on base average to league average on base percentage. And like I said, the league average on base percentage is around 315. Actually, it looks like the league average weighted on base average is 311. So I guess that's the league average on base percentage. But when we look at this number expected weighted on base average, this is based on quality of contact and disregards the actual outcomes. So, you know, it's taken a lot of time to build out these metrics, but basically when you hit the ball at a certain speed, say over a hundred miles an hour, and you hit the ball at a certain launch angle, we know generally what the result is from those types of batted balls. And if you hit that and the expected number is like, wow, this is normally a very productive type of hit. It's often a homer. It's often extra bases. It's almost always not caught. We just count that number as the expected number. But the actual number, it might be caught. And then in reality, you get like a zero. You get an 0 for 1 out of that at bat. But the expected number, which it turns out is more predictive if you're trying to look at a specific player and be like, wow, this is his actual numbers, but the expected numbers are much higher. That expected number is actually more predictive of what they're going to do moving forward than the actual results. And it makes sense as to why. We've always said, oh, it evens out over the course of time if you hit a bunch of rockets right at people. But it turns out it doesn't always. And there are full seasons when guys just kind of massively over or underperform their expected numbers. So anyway, that's basically it. It's trying to quantify that instead of just saying, well, it'll even out. We're actually saying this is what's happened and this was what we would have expected to happen based on the way that they're hitting the ball. So anyway, the Giants come in seventh with a 350 expected weighted on base average and their actual weighted on base average is just 321, which is, I have to scroll, it's 12th. So I do want to point out overall, the the league average weighted on base average is 311. And the overall expected weighted on base average in the league is 335. So they're not aligned, meaning that generally speaking, I don't know if this has to do with the humidor now being in every park, which is something I want to talk more about when I have more time. But across the league, the the actual numbers are not aligning with the expected numbers based on the quality of contact. So it could be weather-based. It could be all the cold weather kind of reducing the flight of balls put in play. It could be that there's a humidor now in every single ballpark affecting the baseballs. They put the baseballs in a humidor to kind of normalize the you know, humidity in the baseball. And so I don't know exactly what's going on here, but the Giants are hitting the ball like the seventh best team. And their results have been 12th best. So, that, so there's a little bit of a difference there. But... When we look at, okay, the overall offense, I just thought that the hits started to fall and the and the balls that were hit well started to go over the, over the wall a little bit on Sunday. I mean, Brandon Belt just continues to be a force at the plate. He barely played in spring training. When he played towards the end there, he was not productive. And then, boom, the season starts and he's been able to hit 345, 441 on base, 690 slugging. That's a 345 isolated power. And I mean, going back to 2020, he's just been an absolute monster. And so it's just a continuation of that. Jock Peterson has had pretty good at bats 
pretty consistently throughout the entire season so far. And I love that both Belt and Peterson have shown a willingness to drop a bunt down when the defense is giving it to them. Joey Bart, let me just take this opportunity. He didn't play on Sunday, but he hit another big home run. I think it was on Saturday. And it was the same type of a bat that he's been exhibiting all season long, where he's laying off pitches that aren't in his happy zone. And it seems to me that the happy zone is kind of soft stuff hung over the middle of the plate. And when that when he gets that pitch, he's been hammering it to the pull side with just huge velocity, like 110 plus miles an hour often. And he did that again in, in this home run. So overall, I mean, it's such an interesting line for Joey Bart. He's got a 15% walk rate, which is super high for him. Uh, given that in 2020 and over 100 plate appearances, he had just a 2.7% walk rate. So obviously we're dealing in a small sample here, but it's just clear to the naked eye that he's been more patient at the plate and taking pitches, even if they're strikes that aren't in that kind of wheelhouse. I think fastball or off speed, he's kind of sitting on something over the heart of the plate and hammering it if he gets it. But he's still striking out 50% of the time. So there's it's a confusing line for Joey Bart. He's got a 571 average on balls in play. 100% of his fly balls have been home runs. That's another, we talk about BABIP as a luck indicator, but home run to fly ball ratio is also, and luck isn't necessarily the best word, but sustainability indicator. You're not going to hit a home run on 100% of your fly balls. That's just obviously not going to happen. So, Moving forward, Bart is going to start to hit some fly balls that don't leave the ballpark. But really, it's been like walk, strikeout, or homer for Joey Bart for the most part. So definitely intrigued by what we've seen, but definitely I need to see more and I need to see these numbers stabilize. And the strikeout rate is still alarming at 50% of his plate appearances ending in Ks. But I think if he can continue to show the discipline that he's shown and hammer pitches that he's capable of hammering, then that is encouraging. And to me, he's the most fascinating guy to just continue to watch to see how that plays out. When all the numbers start to stabilize, what does it look like when the dust settles there? So a couple of players just have been struggling. And I mean, guys who are doing some good, some bad include Tyro Estrada, Wilmer Flores, and uh, Brandon Crawford has really good expected numbers, but not but pretty middling kind of actual numbers. Steven Duggar kind of middling for the most part, but uh, the guys who have been struggling, Darren Ruff, Kurt Casale, Mike Yastrzemski, they all have better expected numbers than actual numbers. Darren Ruff, I think, really got hurt early in the season by some balls being caught, and then he kind of fell into a slump is how it seemed to me. But yeah, anyway, I, I could go on and on about the offense, but we need to move on and talk about uh, Giants versus Mets coming up today, the beginning of a four-game series in New York, and then they go to Washington, D.C., and then they have that one game in Milwaukee. But coming up next, I want to preview Giants versus Mets, both teams playing well right now, and what to expect out of this series. It's that time of year I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs yet? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, 
They're also a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Go to Built.com, scroll down to their macros chart, and you'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, here we go. I want to preview Giants versus Mets. I really could go on and on about the offense. And there are some guys I'm concerned about, and mostly I'm just not concerned, and I want to see things play out. Definitely encouraged, like I said, by Belt and Peterson. Mike Yastrzemski, I mean, definitely yet to get it going, really, but he had some nice at-bats at times. Darren Ruff, I'd really like to see him get get it going. He and Tyro Estrada getting this opportunity to play every day against right-handed pitching and it's been hit or miss I mean with Ruff he's he's had a lot of wasted at bats or at bats that just haven't turned out well a swing just looks a little bit out of whack to me but he's a guy I really believe in offensively I think that they would definitely benefit from having Lamont Wade Jr. and Tommy LaStella in the lineup these guys would be starting against right-handed pitching and it would probably see Tyro Estrada go to the bench but as we have seen, bench players, like as soon as there's a lefty, Lastello would be out and Estrada would be in. He'd get that at-bat against the lefty. He'd stay in for defense, and he'd probably get an at-bat later in the game and maybe get to face a righty. So it's kind of a timeshare as opposed to like a strict, strict platoon. And then uh, Steven Duggar probably wouldn't be starting if Wade was here. And Duggar, generally speaking, I mean, he's been great defensively as always, but uh, 208 average, 259 on base, 333 slugging, 40% strikeout rate. He, you know, hitting at the bottom of the lineup mostly hasn't really done much, although he did show show some signs of life there at the end of the Cleveland series. So I want to just comment quickly before we talk about the Mets. Um, pre-game show, post-game show, George Contos really like his uh, personality and energy on that show, but I, I have to comment on how he keeps saying that he loves that the Gabe Kapler is rolling out the same lineup every single day right now uh, because he thinks that if you're platooning guys, it doesn't allow guys to get into a rhythm and it's going to cause struggles. Well, all the platooning that they did, they did it last year and they they hit the most home runs they've ever hit. They were a great offensive team. They scored a ton of runs. I don't quite understand how that argument holds any weight. And the reason that they're rolling with the same lineup right now is because they're facing all right-handed pitching right now. And if there was a lefty, they're not just going to roll with all of these lefties in the lineup, Peterson, Belt, Crawford, Yastrzemski. You're going to see the platoon squad. You know, you're going to see Austin Slater in the lineup. You're going to see, I mean, who else? Right now, they don't really, they're not Luke Williams. I mean, they're not really able to platoon super heavy right now because of the guys that they have on the injured list but platooning is like a huge part of what they do and I just don't know how you can argue that it's bad for the offense when they were such a good offensive team last year if you stopped platooning they would be a much worse offensive team it's almost impossible to argue that that's not the case the numbers back it up just look at every single guy's kind of long-term platoon splits look at Austin Slater you know he should not really be starting against a righty right he's that's why he doesn't and even guys like Crawford and Belt their overall numbers are just much worse 
against left-handed pitching kind of in the relatively short term and also over a longer sample jock peterson as well so i don't know i mean maybe it's a benefit that they get these consistent reps for now but if there's a lefty on the mound that that's going to change these guys are not going to a lot of these guys won't be in the lineup certain guys are going to move down certain guys are going to move up that's just how they do it and it absolutely worked last year so i don't know how you can make a super compelling case that abandoning that would be the way to go anyway previewing giants versus mets as good as the Giants pitching has been, the Mets have been right there with them. Giants overall as a pitching staff, including the bullpen, have a 220 earned run average. Mets are at 2.35. Peripherals, similar. Giants 2.57 fielding independent pitching. Mets 2.78. Uh, strikeout rates are similarly high and both very good. Mets are actually number one in the game in strikeout rate as a pitching staff. They're also number one in the game in strikeout rate minus walk rate. Giants are going to see Tyler McGill, I believe, tonight is the scheduled starter. And McGill has had a great start to the season. He hasn't allowed any runs. Sometimes I look at that and I see that as a good thing, right? Because you're not just going to, you know, he's not going to give up no runs all season. So today's the day to start giving up runs, right? So uh, McGill notably is throwing harder than he used to. He's like upwards of, you know, he's high 90s when he used to sit much lower than that. So kind of a a guy to watch as a breakout candidate with throwing harder. And then we're going to see Max Scherzer on Tuesday. It's going to be Scherzer versus Logan Webb. Tonight on the mound for the Giants, as I said earlier, Alex Cobb. So it's just on paper, a really good pitching matchup. I really did like a lot of the moves that the Mets made in the offseason to... I think depth is like kind of the key word for what they've been able to do. Adding guys like Starling Marte, Eduardo Escobar, and who else did they? I'm seeing, I guess they're injured. Uh, Mark Canna, COVID-19 IL, along with Brandon Nimmo. Jacob deGrom is also injured right now, as is Taiwan Walker. So they are beat up a little bit, and they did... You know, a lot of their success coming against inferior teams right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants are able to go in there and at least split this series. But it is baseball and you never know. So losing those guys on the IL right now, like Nimmo and Canna, is kind of quietly a pretty big deal. So they've got the likes of Travis Jankowski in the lineup every day right now and J.D. Martinez, uh, who's kind of a platoon guy in the Giants don't figure to throw a lefty until it's Rodon, and I'm not sure that anybody really has a chance against Rodon if he's on. So it's going to be a fun series. It's going to get a lot of attention as the Mets, you know, being a New York team playing well, they just get, they just get a lot of attention. So hopefully the Giants can show up and keep doing what they've been doing. Uh, I'm encouraged because the bats haven't really been there yet, and yet they're seven and two. The pitching we expected to be good, and they've been good. So. I'm encouraged and I would hope and expect that the Giants can split this series at the at the very least. But, you know, it's tough to win a four-game series. So a split, I think I would personally be perfectly content if the Giants come away from Queens with a split. So that is all the time we have for today. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk about tonight's exciting matchup with the New York Mets. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the Major League's past and present. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. 
Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thank you in advance and thank you to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Stay locked on Giants.